From uninterrupted, this is 17 Weeks, the show that gives you the real-time perspective of NFL stars living through the weekly grind of a season. I'm your host, Nate Burleson, and this is Week 7. And we're joined by my three favorite guys in the league. First up, tight end of the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, Eric Ebron. Man, people are weird, bro. Like, like I signed a dude's cheeseburger before he ate it. Like, it's weird, bro. And permanent marker, too. People are weird, man. Wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders of the New Orleans Saints. Me and my wife, we hopped in the pool. We hung out in the pool. I beat. She beat me a horse yesterday, trying to find ways to, to entertain ourselves, pretty much. I told her, these, these next 14 days, you're going to find out if you really love me or not. You might see a weirdo or so <laughs> And strong safety Jamal Adams of the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, it's a rivalry. That's what rivalries is for. Like, if you... It, it's history, bro. Like, if you don't like... If they didn't like them back then, why would we like them now? Before we get to this episode, quick time out. 17 Weeks is brought to you by Uninterrupted and SiriusXM. New episodes drop every Thursday. You can listen to it on demand on SiriusXM or for free on the Pandora app. The show is also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe, rate five stars, and share the show too while you're at it. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at 17 Weeks Pod for more content from the guys. All right, let's get to the episode. The last Sunday of October was filled with exciting matchups and down-to-the-wire comebacks. But this week, we open the show with something bigger than football. Emmanuel Sanders, Saints wide receiver, has been moved to the COVID-19 list and will be out for the game on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. And there's already mounting concerns. Emmanuel Sanders missed the Saints game versus the Panthers because he tested positive for COVID-19. As open as ever, Emmanuel is willing to share what he's been going through. How are you holding up, man? Yeah, I feel good. I tested positive on Thursday. Showed up to practice and wasn't feeling well. It was just, it was just weird. And um, my wife, you know, she told me like the day before, she was like, I can't taste or smell anything. So that kind of like threw me off a little bit. So then the next day, like I, I showed up to work and like I'm running routes, but I'm just like, I just don't feel good. So I, I ended up telling the trainers, I told the trainers I wasn't feeling well. And then they start asking me questions. Now I told them about my wife. And after that, they, they took me to get it tested. I got tested and that test came back positive. Uh, and then they sent me to another doctor and that came back positive. And I was just like, what the hell? Uh, Cause truthfully, you know, I don't really go anywhere. And the only places I've, I've been was to take my son to, to go train uh, for basketball and for football. And so I don't though That's the only place that I possibly could have contracted it unless you know me and my wife we went and had dinner uh one night as well uh so it's a situation that sucks you know I'm missing uh, two games um but you know it is what it is you know uh football is is, is a game and um you know sometimes you know I think about it way too much over uh, situations that could be you know deadly and so I was upset about the two games at first but then once I realized damn like I got COVID-19 and it's way bigger than football and um uh, just thank I'm just I just thank God that obviously uh you know I'm, I'm still in good health right now and that my wife's still in good health and you know I tested positive my wife tested positive but my kids didn't test positive and her mom was living with us too 
uh, will stand with us for a while. And she didn't test positive. So uh, we were able to get the kids out uh, on a private plane that's back to our house in Denver. And they're quarantining there. And uh, me and my wife is quarantining here. Um, so we've been quarantined here for about four days now. It is what it is. It's crazy times, right? As I guess it adds to the, the story, the, the story of, of, of myself. I never thought in a million years that it would come down to this. But, you know, uh, we taking it with strides and making the best of it. What were your symptoms? Walk us through what you were dealing with. Oh, I just felt like, uh, I just felt like, uh, like I was like loopy. Like I was sitting in meetings and my mouth just kept watering. And I was like, what the hell? Like, why is my mouth watering? And it was, it was like that feeling that you're going to throw up, but you, but I, like, I didn't feel like I was going to throw up. My mouth was watering like something was coming. It was like weird. And so I told my coach, I was like, dude, my mouth keep watering. Like I'm getting ready to throw up or something. I'm like, yo, it feels weird. And then it was like, uh, like I just felt like loopy. Like I just didn't feel like myself. I was like, I, f- I feel like I'm getting ready to catch the flu or something. And like, it was, it was weird. So I told my coach that, and he was pretty much the one who was like, you should go tell the trainers. And so then I went and told the trainers, but I just didn't feel like myself. Like even when I was like running, uh, I was running, like my body, like it just didn't feel right. Like I was running, but I did, I didn't, I, I was, exhausting so much energy in the running that it felt like abnormal. Like it didn't feel, I didn't feel like myself. Such a bizarre combination of symptoms, but that wasn't all there was, right? Yeah, it got, it got worse. Uh, that Thursday after I had tested positive, like I, I felt okay. Like even when I went and got, um, like the, got the fever, my temperature checked, my temperature came back at like 97.9, which I was normal. But then the following day, uh, my my temperature shot up. I think I hit 102, like, and that was in the morning. So, like, even if I would have showed it to work on that Friday and we got to get tested every morning, they would have saw something because my, my fever would have been up to, at 102. They would have noticed. So uh, it was, like, actually perfect for me to get out of the building because I don't – I think that – um you know, like my symptoms really like hit that following Friday, but I felt it coming on that Thursday, you know, just, just body aches. Like literally I was laying in bed, just shivering, 102 fever. Uh, my wife, she can't smell or taste, uh, anything. And she has body fevers, but my, my wife, she, she doesn't have, uh, she don't have a fever. Like her feet, like her body temperature stays at like 97, 98. But mine, like at nighttime, like last night, I think I hit like 100. And then the night before that, I hit 101. And then the first night, I hit 102. But every night, like it comes back. My fever comes back. At nighttime, like around like 8 o'clock, we both get like these weird, like um, like loopy feelings. Like it feels like we're glitching. Like when I'm walking, like it feels like if like my wife was to talk to me, like it feels like I'm skipping a beat like every now and then. Like it's like the weirdest shit ever. But and that, and that comes like around like seven or eight. Like right now, like I feel like perfectly fine. Like I feel normal. And then like at seven o'clock, eight o'clock, shit just hits me again. And it's weird. Like every night, like seven or eight, like me and my wife, like we both be like, yo, it's back. But I just keep reminding myself to just keep fighting. Hopefully it, it just goes away. But, you know, I sit back and, uh, you know, I say like, you know, it's only, I think, 14 days 
after the symptoms that you can't spread this thing. But they say that it can stay in your body for like two to three months. And so I sit, I'm sitting back and I'm watching TV and then watching the Patriots game. I'm just like, damn, like, yeah, Cam Newton, like he might, like he can't spread the virus, but like it's still could possibly be in his body. Right. And I'm seeing a guy out there trying to play football and I'm like, damn, like, I hope like I don't have these, even though like I can't spread it. I hope I don't have this like at seven o'clock or, you know what I mean? Like, I hope I don't have this feeling that I, I have, like when I get ready to go back to playing football, because, you know, you, you feel normal, but you don't feel normal, you know? When you first started feeling strange, did you immediately suspect that you might have COVID? No, like COVID never crossed my mind because it's flu season. And truthfully, like, I never thought that like COVID would even like be possible, you know, for, uh, for me. And I had just got the flu shot too. So I'm thinking like, uh, it's flu season. Like I've had, I had this feeling before of like in December, I've been sick. Like every December I get sick with the flu. Like even if I get a flu shot or not, I always get sick, like some type of fever or something, like around this time. And so for me, it was just normal, right? I'm thinking, yeah, it's the flu, but no, they said it was, it was a positive COVID, which is weird. As you quarantine at your home, are you being monitored? Yeah, the Saints trainer, uh, he contacts me, uh, just wanted to know about my fever uh, and just check to see how I am. But as far as like this whole situation, like there's no medicine, like nobody's nobody said, oh, you got COVID-19. Here's the medication. Go home. Right. It's you have COVID-19. Go home. Don't don't leave the house. Right. Don't leave the house. Right. Stay away from everybody 14 days. Don't leave the house. For me, like, I don't have a problem with it, but, I, you know, I don't play video games anymore. I don't do none of that. So I started reading yesterday. Me and my wife, we hopped in the pool. We hung out in the pool. I beat. She beat me a horse yesterday. She beat me a horse yesterday, uh, which is weird. I beat her like three times, but she beat me. She beat me twice a horse. I give her that. We doing stuff that we never thought, you know, it just... We really just kicking it and hanging out and it's been it's been cool, you know, trying to find ways to, to entertain ourselves pretty much. I told her these, these next 14 days, we're going to find out if you really love me or not. You might see a weirdo or something. <laughs> I might find out she a weirdo. You seem like yourself right now. How are you feeling? No, I feel good. Like right now, like talking, like I just feel like a sharp pain, like in my, it feels like on my frontal lobe or some shit. But other than that, like. It just feels like a bad, like like sinuses or something. Like, you know how that sinus feel? It just feels like I'm like clogged, like right there. But other than that, I'm good. I'm good. I take like Tylenol and I take like Mucinex and I take uh, Advil, uh, well Dayquil. Those seem to help. Like when I when I take that, like it'll be like everything goes away for like four hours, five hours. Lately, I haven't had to take that during the day because like the symptoms aren't there. I imagine hearing the initial diagnosis has to make you pause and maybe do a little reflecting. This is like weird. The fact that I'm even, you know, the past, you know, six weeks we've been talking about football and just different like stuff. But like now, like I sit back and I remember I like watch like CNN like at nighttime or I watch YouTube news at nighttime. But now like I, I'm scared to even watch that stuff because I hear 
like, oh, coronavirus cases surges. And then I remember I used to watch the news and say, well, 200,000 people have died from it. And now, like I, like, I was watching, I'm like, dude, I can't even watch this shit now. Every night I go to sleep, I'm like, Lord, like, Lord, please, like, just let me, like, wake up in the morning feeling good, right? Like, I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night and, like, can't breathe. Like, what the fuck? And, like, shit just goes south, right? Like, that's, like, my biggest fear. And, like, watching that shit, like, it intensifies my, like, my fears, right? Because, like, people can say whatever you want. And, like, everybody can say, oh, yeah, like, I'm not scared to get COVID. But in the back of your head, like, and you may think you're healthy, but in the back of your head, you don't know it. You like you don't know this virus. No, nope, nobody knows anything about this virus. You don't know if how your body's gonna react, and you don't know at any moment like if shit will go south, right? So it's like it's scary at the same time, but at the same time, like I'm I'm a God fearing man, so I understand like whatever. If God wants me to go out of COVID, like I'm gonna go out with COVID, you know. But you know, but it's still in the back of my head. It's got to be frightening though, right? Yeah, you know, and, I, and truthfully, I'm not even really scared for me. Like, I'd be more scared for my wife, like, because I'm a champ. Like, I can handle anything. But for me, like, I just feel like, man, I hope she handling. But she been handling like a champ, though. She been handling like a champ. Like, she don't really do no complaining. Like, I could tell she be in pain every now and then. But she handling like a champ. You know, welcome to 2020. It's time for the breakdown. Back on the field, Eric caught six passes for 50 yards as the Steelers took on the Titans in Nashville in a battle of the last two unbeatens in the AFC. Jumping out to a commanding 24-7 halftime lead, Pittsburgh had to withstand a furious Tennessee second-half comeback before winning 27-24. No good! The Steelers are going to hold on against the Titans! As Eric likes to say, at 6-0, he's still undefeated since he started this podcast. I don't know how you describe it. I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's good or bad yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if we're like, I mean, you enjoy it Monday and Tuesday and then tomorrow. It's like, it's back to like, whatever. But bro, we haven't lost yet. (laughs) It's, It's crazy, like. To be in the National Football League and be undefeated. I was explaining this to my partner the other day, and I'm just like, bro, we're in the National Football League. Like, you don't understand. Like, this is the hardest of the hard, and we're dominating it right now. Like, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Are you guys psyched to be the only undefeated team left? Really, bro? This locker room is different, man. Like, we want to go 7-0. Like, we, like, what's up? Like, that's the next best challenge for us. Like, Okay, we we done did six and zero. We we did that. Like the next best thing is seven and zero. How far can we take this? And I think that's what makes this unit so different. Like I want to see how far we could take it. Can we go ten and zero? Can we go sixteen and zero? It's only what three teams, one, two, three teams that ever do that, and went one team ever to do it and win a Super Bowl. Brady and then went sixteen and zero, and they lost. But can we do that? Like I mean, it's just so many what ifs. But at the end of the day, we're gonna go one and zero, and we're gonna accept that challenge to go one and zero every week. And I think that's 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 what makes us pretty cool. Eric, what's the vibe in the Pittsburgh locker room these days? Man, we be turned up. Man, we be in there. We be in there turned up. I mean, our locker room is so fun, man. We got a group playing spike ball. We got a group playing cards. We got a group, you know, 
like we're not individualized. Like everybody is in a locker room. Like you, you'll see a group around watching spike ball. You'll see a group around watching, you know, the card players because you know what I'm saying? It's it's so much togetherness in our locker room, man. It's just we hang out afterwards. We we do a lot, man. And it just it just builds the ultimate team. And I think that's what that's what's helping us prevail in this season. During a key drive in the Tennessee game, Eric and Big Ben may have bonded for life. When Eric saw his QB was in trouble, they collaborated on a unique completion. Yo, it was all improv. Like, it was like, so I had a little out route um, to the backside, more of an occupied route. We were trying to hit a certain void in the defense. And, man, I just see him get flushed out of the pocket. So I'm thinking about buying time. Ben might, you know, try to make some heroics. But I've been watching Ben since I was young. You know what I'm saying? I've been tweeting about Ben since I was young. So... I knew something crazy was about to happen. And when I saw him just launch the ball, I was like, man, let me go get this damn football. I, I, I promise you that's exactly what went through my head. I'm like, oh, it don't matter. Because I don't know who's around me. I don't know who's coming to attack the football. I'm like, let me go get this damn football before something crazy happened. Dude running with it 60-some yards, 70-some yards the other way. I'm like, man, let me go get this football. So I just went to go attack it, man. And I was open. I had to feed a little stiff arm and, and got blown up right after. <laughs> so it was just just save, just save Ben, man. Those plays, those plays, you know, help your quarterback. It builds a little trust later on in life. You know what I'm saying? You never know. So just just save your quarterback, man. And that's that's what my job is. So that's all I was doing. Did you say anything to Big Ben after that play? No, nah, he was just like, man, thanks. E. I was like, man, that's my job, but what the hell? <laughs> that's, that's all I said. Like, bro, like, man, man, I'm a gamer, bro. So, like, in my mind, like, I'm with you. Do what you got to do to win. So, for sure. But I'm, at the same time, I'm like, come on, bro. <laughs> like, I feel you, but you put us both in a bad spot. We, I could have got destroyed. <laughs> at any point during Tennessee's furious second half comeback, were you panicking? Maybe when Steven Goskowski came out and tried to send it to overtime? Yep. Yep. That boy came out for that field goal, and I'm like, damn, I don't want to go into overtime with them because we haven't put anything good on tape in the second half. We were lulling. We, they kept stopping us. We were turning the ball over and you know, making silly mistakes. I jump off sides before the half. Like it was, it was just a start of a bad half. When the kicker came out, I was spooked. I'm like, damn. We got to get the ball first. We got to go score. We got to end the game. That was the only thing on my mind. Like, all right, we got to get the ball first. It didn't matter what happened. We had to get that ball first. The win got to flip the coin the right way, something. Because we couldn't let them we couldn't let them get the ball with Derrick Henry and our defense being out there on the field for most of the second half. So that gust of wind that blew that ball to the right a little bit. I went numb, bro. Like, I don't even know what happened. I remember screaming, almost passing out, uh, almost falling. <laughs> Bro, like, woo! Like, you had to see, like, our faces. Like, oh, my, like, no way does he miss this. Like, no way. Like, no, no way. Not, not, no. Not, not that kicker. No. He, bro, he's nice. Like, no, he's not going to miss it. He, 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 what? Oh, my. I'm watching that thing. I saw it. I'm like, damn, it's good. And then I'm watching. I'm like, hold on. Oh, no. He missed it. Yo, that was probably, that was probably, I'll never forget that game. Like, probably like ever. Just, yeah, that game's crazy. 
this one. It is good. <laughs> Jamal Seahawks faced Kyler Murray and the Cardinals on Sunday night in Arizona, losing 37-34 with 15 seconds left in OT. It was Seattle's first loss after the 5-0 start. You know, it to come down to the wire like that, it was, you know, it, it was it was pretty cool to watch, but um, seeing a lot of, you know, great plays out there. And obviously, you know, DK's uh, chase down where people kind of like don't get is like, how could you, you know, congratulate him? Like, that's what he's supposed to do. Like, I expect greatness from him and he knows that. So for people to finally see that's just who he is as a person, as a player, that's just how he plays, man. He plays the game the right way. And that's how everybody should play the game. You know what I mean? So big hats to him on that. And uh, I'm itching. I can't wait to get back out there. Coming sooner than, than later, we're going to go from there. Jamal missed his third game with a groin injury, but was watching on TV back home in Seattle. What do you think went wrong, Jamal? I mean, your mistakes. That's how you lose ball games, man. So at the end of the day, you know, we just got to gotta be better with the ball. Uh, and we got we to gotta win the turnover battle. I don't want people to think, oh, Russ had a bad game. Okay, yeah, he probably didn't have his best game. But at the end of the day, Russ is going to be Russ, and he's going to be great. Um, you know, he takes a lot of, you know, pressure. He puts a lot of pressure on himself, and, you know, he he, he doesn't need to do that. So we're going to do a better job, um, you know, getting back out there and, and creating the turnovers that we need on defense because uh, I speak for the defense and what we have to do um, to help those guys on the offensive side. Um, so we we gotta we gotta get the ball more, and we've been doing that. We just gotta we gotta we gotta attack it more, and we gotta you know pl- play fundamentally sound at all times. What was the vibe like when the team returned home from Arizona? People people were pissed off. Like it's just how it is. But I'm glad it happened, bro. We needed it. As <laughs> crazy as it sounds, bro. I, I'm I'm glad it happened. I was so excited to see how 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 the building you know uh, is when 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 we lose, you know, because it, I'm I'm new, so I've seen all the winning. So now I see how people react off of losing. At the end of the day, that just helps me as a leader, as one of the leaders on the team to know, know who, who, who can take criticism and how to come at them in certain ways just so they can perform better. Like there's, there's, no, there's nothing personal um, when it comes to anybody that's holding somebody accountable. That's, that's not personal. That's what it's about, bro, just getting on the same page and understanding your teammates because, you know, we're in this together, bro. What was Coach Carroll's message to the team? Keep going, man. Like, bro, we don't got to – listen, it's one game. We still we still on top of the division. Obviously, you know, we didn't want to we, – we wanted to go undefeated, but it didn't work like that. You know, it's 24 hours. Like, that game's been gone. We got we, – we, it's time to move on to, to the next opponent, and that's the 49ers. That's, that's, our, that's our mission. That's our goal. We got to win each day so we can go out there and perform the right way and come out victorious. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're not, we're not worried about what people say on the outside – we focus, we focus on what we got to do. We got a job at Taz, and we got we to handle that. You guys seem like you're a tight-knit group. What's the bond really like within the organization? You got to know, like, this is your family at the end of the day. Like, everybody in the NFL or any, anybody outside the NFL thinks everybody, you know, just is, gets along with everybody around the league. It just doesn't work like that. So, you know, at the end of the day, when you in that building, you gotta you gotta lock in. Th- those are the guys you you going to work with. Those are guys that you 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 know you cry, you you bleed, you you sweat with them, and and, and you going to work. Like it's a lot of sacrifice that what we put ourselves through. So our, our relationships are very important inside the building, and I have that. You you gotta automatically have that trust factor and that understanding. Like 
what goes on in the locker room in this building stays stays here. That's just what we do. But man, the world ain't the world didn't end, bro. Like we just lost one game. Like the world, I mean, everybody act like we just lost the Super Bowl or something, bro. You know, and it just is what it is. We 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 took an L. We gave them the game. You know, but that's a good that's a good ball club. You know, a lot of respect to K1 and and uh, Cliff um, and, and you know Buddha. So, you know, I I can't wait. I can't wait to see him again, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Jamal, next up for the Seahawks is San Francisco at Century Link. Will you guys take the loss at Arizona with you? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We hungry. Yeah, I don't like the feeling of losing. Like I sat on the couch and I watched the game and I still felt that feeling. Like that's a shitty feeling. That's like one of the worst feelings, if not. The worst feeling in the world. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not with all that. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to 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 not have that feeling again. Like that feeling is not fun. Anything to say about the 49er Seahawk rivalry? Yeah, it's a rivalry. That's what rivalries is for. Like if you <laughs> it's history, bro. Like if you don't like if they didn't like them back then, why would we like them now? Eric, your next matchup could be game of the year on the road in Baltimore against the Ravens. Man, that's the crazy part. Oh, you know, they got the Browns coming up. First team they beat above a .500, you know, oh, hold on. We beat them. And then, oh, they're going to the Tennessee Titans. If they beat Tennessee, you know, they might be, we beat them. And now I was like, oh, well, you know, here's their true test. I'm like, damn, bro. How many damn tests do we have? Like, but that's the National Football League, and you got to love that, like, every week. And that's why I love this team, because they're like, all right, y'all want us to prove it? We're going to accept the challenge every time. And, like, I can't wait. Although Emmanuel didn't play this week in the Saints' victory over the Panthers, he was watching the action from his living room with his wife. I don't think we ever had too many Sundays where I'm just sitting on the couch watching football. So she, she don't know the protocols of don't talk to me. <laughs> and she kept talking to me. I'm like, I'm like, I'm watching the game. She's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, listen, like, are you kidding me? Like, do you not understand how this go? Like, I'm watching the games. Not only that, like, I'm not watching just some random team. I'm watching my team, right? These are my guys. So, like, I don't want to talk. And so, uh, I guess that was that was my competitive spirit, right? Definitely had my emotions going up and down uh, on certain things. But after we won, like, I just felt like it felt really good. Like, I'm like, all right, on to Chicago. Let's go beat Chicago, and then I get back. This week on The Huddle Up, Jamal, Emmanuel, and Eric open up about issues that may be in the news or on their minds. This week, the guys tackle fame, the benefits and the detriments of being a public figure. Eric, what's it like standing out in a crowd? It has its ebbs and flows, and I say that because... It'd be just some days. All right, so my wife says this a lot. My wife goes, you know, some days I I wish I could wake up and not be a mom. You know what I'm saying? And it's not like she doesn't want to be a mom. It's not like she's, you know, she doesn't like what she does. It's just that she wished that some days it just wasn't, you know, a thing. And that's kind of like how I, I view, like, not even, I don't even think I'm famous. Like, and even if I, like, had this, like, extra limelight of like a Patrick Mahomes or OBJ or the that I don't I still wouldn't think I was necessarily famous I just think that it's cool you know some days some days you'd be like you know what's up like how oh you know me like I'm in damn North Dakota bro you you know me like what Emmanuel you have a unique take on being famous tell us about it 
Ooh, it was crazy that you're bringing this up because literally yesterday I was sitting around and I was watching. If you ever had get an opportunity, go and watch Dave Chappelle's interview with David Letterman. It's on Netflix. Like, I'm not going to say that me and Dave Chappelle got a lot of similarities, but it was one thing that he said. Like, Dave, I'm from a small country town. Dave, is he's living in this town outside of Ohio. Uh, I think it's called Yellow Springs uh, or, or something. And... Uh, he was pretty much saying that the reason why he likes uh, living in a small country town is because in the big cities, you know, you're famous and people are walking up to you and and you don't know them, but they know you and they know a lot about you. He said, well, in small towns, everybody is famous and everybody knows you and you know them. And so when they ask you and they talking to you, you know them and they know you. And so I grew up like that like I grew up in a small country town where everybody knew everybody and like my grandma she told me she said I'm famous in Belleville all right like that's my hometown everybody's famous everybody knows everybody and if if you go into Belleville and somebody see you they like you're not from here we know everybody from around here like or who's your people like right you know that's how I am so Dave he goes and he explains he says look he says I love being famous he said, but I hate being a celebrity. And he said, it's, and, and Dave asked, you know, like, what's the difference? And he said, well, he said, a celebrity is an act. You have to make people like you. And in doing that, um, you spend more time in trying to make people like you than taking care of yourself. And that's me. I don't like the idea of being a celebrity. I love being famous. I love people knowing me, but I don't like the fact of having to put out an image so that people like me. For me, like, I'd rather just be myself. And that's why I like football, because in football, I could just be behind a helmet. Or in basketball and sports, I could just be myself and play football, and people like the way that I play football. I don't have to portray a certain image in being somebody for people to like me. Right. And that's why I like this podcast. And that's why I like doing television. But even doing television, like I'm telling you guys right now, what you hearing and what you seeing is who I am. Like, I'm not going to sit up here and fake like somebody I'm not because I don't care to be a celebrity. I don't care. I, I don't care to throw somebody under the bus to do something so that I can be famous and somebody could talk to me. I'm going to try to give you the real me. And my real perspective at all costs. And I like being famous. I like for people to say, like, yeah, like, like I like that guy. I know who Emmanuel Sanders is. Like, that's famous. Celebrity is all like, did you see what this guy did? Or did you see the stunt that this guy did, right? I call paparazzi on myself. Or, yo, oh, I'm going to hang out with. Or I'm going to move to L.A. and be around a Kanye West or somebody. Like, like, if you see me, if I move to L.A., like, I'm not going to try to be friends with somebody just so that I can post a picture with them. Like, I'm just not that person. Like, like if you see me at a party, like, I'm, 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 I'm in a cut. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm chilling, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not chasing the spotlight, right? And so, you know, and that's why, like, I can relate to Dave on that, you know, but don't get it twisted. Like, I love, like, when people, like, recognize me because they're recognizing my hard work, right? It's an amazing feeling. You know, I'm not going to take away from that and, and fake like it's not amazing to film. Jamal, you have a different perspective. You don't feel like you're that recognizable, right? I'm not really famous, but uh, 
I don't get caught up in all that. So I don't really, I don't look at myself like that, bro. So it's cool, bro, you know, but what I don't like about it is, you know, you you get judged every day. No matter what you do, you get judged every day. And somebody's watching. Someone doesn't want want you happy. Somebody doesn't want you on the field. You know how many times I've got DMs or comments, you know, oh, man, you, we don't want you out there, bro. You stay on, like, it's like, we, no, that don't, none of that, but I, I don't get caught up in all that no more, bro. Why would a grown-ass man be worried about another grown-ass man, and he's way older than me, and he's 50, and he has a, a deer as his background, like, you wasting, you wasting, you wasting your breath, you wasting your fingers, um, typing the message to me. I don't, I don't care, bro. Honestly, I ain't, I didn't stop like worrying about what people thought about me until really, man, COVID. When you stay, when you have a vision, when you have a goal, you don't let stuff like that affect you. What are some of the positives of fame? I love seeing, seeing kids that are younger than me wearing the double bands and, you know, tagging me in the photos saying, yeah, I'm like Prez or have the caption like I'm like Prez. Like, that's dope because I was once that kid. That's why I do what I do. That's part of my why, right? To inspire. Man, I'm always trying to uh, build relationships with fans because I think that's important, bro, you know, because sometimes you might meet somebody that might, might inspire you, believe it or not, and people don't even know that, vice versa. With social media giving fans direct access to you, can't that get exhausting, Emmanuel? Yeah, yeah, sometimes, sometimes. Uh, because some people, you know, they have loose mouths, like especially after a bad game. Like I, One thing that I believe in is that a chain of positive thoughts creates positive results. And so, you know, a lot of people will probably uh, agree with this and some people might disagree with this. But after good games, I'm quick to go on, I'm quick to go on Twitter. I'm quick to go on Twitter and, and engulf all the positive that people are saying but after a bad game i'm not going on twitter if i if, if i have a bad game or some bad's happening or some negative shit is going on like i'm literally gonna go on my twitter and if i have 175 mentions i'm gonna swipe i'm not gonna read anything i'm just gonna swipe past 175 negative negative things now out of those 175 it might be 20 to the 45 of those saying don't care about what they oh positive but i just skip past it because i don't me myself i don't care to take on the negatives of it why would i read into something that somebody is even saying like i don't care enough but if you want to spread positivity to me i'm all for it. and that's just how i am like even like on instagram people be like how come you don't read comments and i'm like i do read comments but sometimes i go on and the comments are so negative it's just like i don't care to read into it so i've learned to just post my picture and sometimes not even read into the comments because because of the negativity and and like for me like i rather indulge in the positivity than the negativity most of the time eric enjoys interacting with fans i just be myself i just be myself so like how i respond is like how i really would respond like that's just me like you know i whatever comes to my mind like the picture when i saw ben i was dying laughing i was like oh i can use this and say this and I showed someone and the caption, and once I get one laugh, I'm like, oh yeah, this is gonna mess the game up. So I'm not really looking for laughs. I'm really just being me. Like, I, that's really how I think. What I post is how I think. But occasionally, even Eric finds some fans can be obnoxious. 
some days, you know, you get rude people that just be like, man, take this picture, bro. Oh my God, Eric Ebron. Ah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> like, what the? Like, what, bro? And you got some people, you know, so you got the awkward people that are like, I'll record you, like, and act like, you know, they're not recording you or looking at you. So it has its, it has its ebbs and flows, man. Some days it's cool when it's genuine. And people will be like, man, you know, I watch your family on Instagram. You know, it's super cool. Watch your kids grow up or, you know, they say something where they generally like care, like, or, or like a true fan or like, you know, that's when it's, that's when it's dope. But when it, when it's like overrated and you got, you know, that 13 year old kid that's like, ah, bro, be on my Snapchat, man. Wow. I can't believe, you know, and it's like obnoxious about it. It's like, bro, I get it. But like, we're cool, bro. We all human, man. Just say what's up. Eric, weirdest fan encounter. Yeah, man, like, man, people are weird, bro. Like, I don't know. Like, I signed a dude's cheeseburger before he ate it. Like, it's weird, bro. Yeah, like, and permanent marker, too. People are weird, man. I mean, I've signed a boob before. I think we've all probably signed a boob before. Like, a side boob. We've all, I was like, my first year coming to the league, some lady was like, oh, sign me right here. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Emmanuel, what's your philosophy when it comes to fans approaching you in public? I don't respect players. And I've been around certain players where a fan walk up and, like, ask for a picture, and I just see, like, how they treat them. I'm just like, dude, like, bro, like, do you not remember, bro, when you was nine? Like, do you not remember when you was 10? Or maybe that's just me. Like, and sometimes I speak for people and thinking that they grew up how I grew up. But when I was nine, when I was 10, if an NFL player would have walked up, I would have wanted a picture, but I probably would have never asked, right? Like, I could put myself in people's shoes and be like, bro, like, don't ever forget, like, how far you came. Like, don't ever take it for granted. Now, sometimes, like, people could take it too far, right? Like, but if somebody walks up and asks me for a picture, nine times out of 10, like, I'm going to take that picture and the only time that I say that that one percent or that one out of that 10 is if like say for instance I just did like 150 autograph signings and I got like 30 people asking for pictures I just I and I tell people like bro it ain't fair for me to knock you out and then like I can't knock out the other 25 people that sit up here waiting like I gotta go bro I'm sorry right but I'm always gonna acknowledge them and tell them the reason why right where like and, I, and like I never forget like where I, like where I come from like that that'd be the ultimate thing and for people to like want your autograph like you can't look at it from a negative standpoint or people want it. you gotta look at it from a positive like you you're an inspiration of people like and people want to get your picture and show it and all it does is just spreads positivity on you that you stopped and took a picture because they're going to take that picture and they're going to show somebody and they're going to show somebody and they're going to keep showing people for the rest of their life more than likely right so you got to look at the long term of that as well and so you know that's just my perspective on it jamal in this strange year you've been deprived of crossing paths with seahawks fans the famed 12th man i know i know i i I wish i could meet the 12s bro i met a few and and i and you know i love the support that they give me man you know, they just want me back on the field, but they want me healthy. You know what I mean? So that's big. Just hearing the, you know, support. And I appreciate the 12s for that, man. That's that's, that's big. These, you know, the ladies and the, and the gentlemen of the 12s have helped me, you know, get by this injury and, and, and keep my head right because, man, I've I've lost it. I've lost it at times, you know, through, through these four weeks. Jamal believes fans sometimes have a difficult time accepting when a player switches teams. You're either a 
a, a, a fan of the, the, the team or you're a fan of the player? As athletes, we have to make we're, we have to make decisions that's best for us and our family, right? Or our future kids, whatever the case may be. Just like anybody else in the world has to make a decision for their family, right? But it gets so personal when guys leave different spots and it's like, hold on, I'm a human too. I got to make the decision for myself and my future. I love, I love all the fans that support me. That's how I look at it, man. Like, if you support me and the team, that's that's big, bro. To 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 people that support that and respect the grind that we we go through, salute them. Emmanuel, is your response to fans any different when you're out with your family? No, no. My my son, my son loves it. My son, he ain't gonna hop in every single picture. And my wife, she really don't care. My wife, uh, she's she's kind of got a little Instagram fame too. So now people walk up and they're talking to me. I'm like, oh, they want a picture. Like girls walk up and they'll talk to me. I'm like, why are you talking to me, right? And she's talking and she's like, do you think you could ask your wife if she'll take a picture with me? And I'm like, what? I thought she was gonna ask me for a picture. She's like, you think you? And I was like, I was like blown. This was, this was like probably like six months ago. And so we get that all the time. Like girls want to take pictures uh, with my wife uh, because she's 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 growing her Instagram page like six hundred thousand followers in probably a year. Uh, she's a fashion blogger. She can put them wardrobes together like like nobody I've ever seen. She's very artistic. What about you, Eric? For me, it's more like when I'm with my wife. Like, I hate people ask my wife to take the picture for us. It, it kind of like excludes your wife, you know what I'm saying? And I'd be like, and I have to like, you know, be like, you know, do you mind? And your wife's always like, oh no, you know, I'm used to this, you know, no one ever wants to take a picture with me. And I'm like, bro. How to deal with fans. I had to learn that I can't stop and talk to everybody because that's what I do. And it drives my wife crazy. My kids don't mind as much because they feel cool when somebody stops me. But when it comes to kids, I always stop. I always sign an autograph. I always take a picture. Even if I'm at dinner and a kid walks up to me, it's just hard not to take a few seconds and make that kid's day. To me, it'd be like opening the door after somebody says trick or treat, having a house full of candy that the kid can see, and then saying, not right now, slamming the door. It shakes them up. And they remember that. So I feel like I can take a few seconds out of my day to make a kid's day, and that could make his year, and it could make his life. Let's just keep it a buck. I was a rookie in Minnesota, and we were on the road. So we hop off the bus, and you know, when you're in the league, you're like a rock star. So you, you see people camping out in the hotel. They start to run towards the back door because we would always pull up to the back of the hotel and try to sneak in on the service elevators. But this particular hotel, they didn't have service elevators. So we came through the back door and we had to walk in where everybody else took the elevator at. You can hear the kids running, parents like, go, 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 yeah, go ask him, that's him, that's him. And I'm just like, yo, this is crazy. I get in the elevator with a couple of vets and a little kid sees us, bends the corner, He's hauling ass, pen and paper in his hand, huge smile. He's talking to one of the vets and he's just like, hey, 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 excuse me, excuse me. Can I, can I please, can I please? And the dude looked down at that kid and was like, no, go on, get, go on, get. Like he was like a, like the kid was like a puppy or something, like a stray dog or something. I remember thinking to myself, 
damn, that was fucked up. Excuse my language, but that's exactly what I was thinking. And you just saw like this little kid sitting there, pen and paper in hand, the elevator door slowly closing, and then boom, and we go up to our rooms. That was a memory that I'll never forget. That moment right there solidified that you should never turn down a child who just genuinely wants your autograph because they think you're cool. You're not gonna be that cool that long. It takes a little bit of your time and a little bit of your effort compared to these kids standing around all day long waiting for their favorite player to pop up and you can make their day. And some guys, some little girls, you can make their lives. Before we close out the show, it's time for Quick Outs. Seattle quarterback Russell Wilson has somehow never received a single NFL MVP vote in his career. As he quarantines from COVID, Emmanuel had a chance to catch Russ in action. First off, first of all, I was watching uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson right now, like, he's on a whole nother level. Like, like, I've never really enjoyed watching Russell Wilson play, but I enjoy watching him play now. Because even from how he's throwing the ball, like, the trajectory on his ball and the accuracy on his balls on every throw like if you just watch him play and just watch where he's placing the ball it's it's on a whole nother level right and so I'm enjoying watching this dude play ball because I'm just like dude this dude Russell Wilson is on a whole nother level and then I think about like all the hard work that he's put in like I tell people this story about Russell Wilson all the time but I remember last year I was playing and we were getting ready to play for uh, the division. I think we was getting ready to um, play and then the game that came down to the to, to inches. And, you know, Russell walks up and, you know, he's talking to me about my wife and Sierra loving her clothing line. And 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 for me, like, I snapped out of it, right? I'm like, because I was like, I want to win this game so bad. I looked at Russ and said, Russ, I said, I said bro, like, I hope you know, like, I don't care, bro. I, I want to kick your ass, right? And he looks at me, he goes, be great. He goes, be great. I said, nah, Russ, I'm not going to tell you to be great. Like, because I don't want you to be great. And he looks at me, he just walks away. He goes, be great, be great. He kept saying it over and over. And every single time that I talked to Russell Wilson pregame, he always tells me the same thing, be great, be great. And so now when I watch this kid, I see him and I know that he's telling himself, be great, and he is greatness right now. Odell Beckham Jr. suffered a season-ending torn ACL in the Browns' win over the Bengals. Jamal offers his fellow LSU Tigers some words of encouragement. It's going to be hard, man. You're going to have your, test, your, your tough days, and it probably hasn't even you know, hit my dog yet, man. It's going to hit, man. I'm just praying for him because I know. Like, I lost the game for a little bit myself, and this is it's killing me. You talk about crying. I've, I've I've never cried so much in my life, bro. And that's just being real. But you you know, as a human, you gotta you gotta cry. You know, I'm praying for him. I told him, man, and he gonna be he gonna be good, man. He he a lion, bro. Like me, him and I are very very alike in, in in the way we think about certain things. So he know he knows my love for him, and you know he gonna bounce back. I already know he is, man. I ain't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm never worried, bro. Eric is full of surprises. He's tight with a Cleveland quarterback named Baker. The Browns won. I know that. I saw Baker doing a little, hey, I saw Baker doing his little thing. Baker, my dog. So when Baker dancing, it's always good. <laughs> For sure. 
I love her. I, I hate, like I said, the narrative people put on other people sucks. But I think Baker is an open book, man. He hey, People think of this persona. What are you supposed to be like, look like, act like as a quarterback? Man, you ain't got to do none of that. You just got to win football games ultimately in the National Football League and people won't talk about you. So I think Baker is, I think Baker is a hell of a person, man. I met him, I met him at a Christian outreach conference. So that tells you what kind of person he is. So, you know, people, he's, he's pretty dope. And that, that's kind of when we got cool because we was in the same work group. So that's kind of when we got to really know each other. And I think he dope, man. I, I mess with him. I mess with him. I think he cool. All right, y'all. That's it for this episode of 17 Weeks. The show was brought to you by Uninterrupted, SiriusXM, and Pandora. You can listen to it on demand on SiriusXM or for free on the Pandora app. The show is also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Wherever you listen to it, though, be sure to subscribe and get notified when new episodes drop every Thursday. And if you like what you heard, a little bit or a lot of it, make sure you share the show. Spread the love. You feel me? I'm your host, Nate B. Shout out to my co-hosts, Jamal Adams, Emmanuel Sanders, and Eric Ebron. The show is executive produced by John Fontanelli. Our producer is Josh Rodriguez. Our associate producer is Logan Casterdale. Editing and sound design by Chris Weatherspoon. The show is also produced by Chris Tyler and Andrew Emmer. Brandon Gitches, senior director, podcast production at SiriusXM. Andy King, director of sports programming at SiriusXM. It is written by John McLaughlin. Archival sound courtesy of the NFL Network and the Locked On Podcast Network. Till next week, we are.